everyone. Uh, thank you again for uh, listening to the Go Think On It podcast. Once again, my name is Kyle. Um, I'm the host. And as a reminder, if you don't already know, I'm just a layman. I'm not an expert on anything. Um, I'm an average Joe, just like you. And the point of this podcast is to think about and talk through uh what we see in this crazy world that we live in today and so that's what we're going to do now today there are two things in particular that i want to talk about one of them is joe biden's pick uh for vice president kamala harris and the other one i want to think through john MacArthur's decisions over these past couple weeks um and there might be a, a couple other things that we talk about, but we'll see whether or not we get there. So let's get started with Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. As you already know, because I know I'm late in the game, um, Joe Biden has chosen his vice presidential running mate. Her name is Kamala Harris. She's a senator from California. She was a former prosecutor and I think district attorney out of California. But anyway, she's in the Senate now. Um, and she actually made a run for president earlier this year. Um, but she had to drop out pretty early on because she couldn't get the support. And now she is Joe Biden's chosen vice presidential running mate. So I guess the question that is bugging me is does this actually help him in the long run? Um, is is this decision something that pushes him forward to the point where he definitely beats Donald Trump? Um, and I don't really know. I guess I'm having a hard time seeing how it helps him. I I I don't see what she brings to the ticket that isn't already there. So, I guess I, I don't understand why he chose her. I mean, I know why he chose her. He chose her because she's a woman of color. I mean, that's exactly why he chose her. Early on in his presidential run, he vowed to choose a woman as his vice presidential candidate. Um, and I think a lot of the things that he said this past week kind of pressured him making sure that he chose a woman of color, um, particularly a black woman. Um, and if you don't know, she's not an African American black woman. She is a Indian American black woman. Her parents were from India that's her lineage, that's her heritage, um, and if you didn't already know, there are black people in India. So, there you have it. I'm sorry if that's shocking news to you, that not all black people are from Africa, but that's the truth. And I understand that the majority of black people in America today can trace their heritage back to Africa, but that's not the case. And by the way, not all Africans are black. Um, if you go to Egypt, 
or Morocco or anywhere in northern Africa, you're probably going to find very few black people. Um, and the same is true in South Africa. Uh, South Africa is such a blend of people. I mean, you will find a lot of black people in, in South Africa. But my point is that Africa isn't only black people. And my other point is that black people aren't only from Africa. So get your generalizations out of the way because they're wrong. Um, okay, now back to Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. Joe Biden made his promise early on that he would pick a woman. So he was constrained by that. Um, and then a bunch of stupid things came out of his mouth that I believe forced him to pick Kamala Harris. So what came out of his mouth? Well, very early on in his uh, presidential run, he said, poor people are just as smart as white people. I'd like to have the audio of that, um, but I don't. But I'm sure you can find it pretty easily if you just do a simple search. But that was very early on in his candidacy. Um, and I think we all sort of swept that under the rug because it's just old man Joe. Uh, he says crazy things every once in a while. And it, it was just a slip. That's what we wrote it off as. It was just a slip. Um, he wasn't thinking. It was nothing more than a goof of speech. Nothing more than a slip of the tongue. Um, so no big deal. No harm, no foul. However, this past week he's come out of his basement. And he said two things in particular. That make it very hard to believe that it was just a slip of the tongue. Um, so first of all, he was talking about the... Latin American community or the Latino community and he said that the Latin community unlike the African American community is very diverse in its thinking and its beliefs and its behaviors and that wasn't just a slip of the tongue because he went on to say that if you go to different parts of the country that have Latin communities and talk to them about the same subjects they will respond so what he was saying that is, if you go to Miami, you might get a very um, large Cuban-American community, and they'll believe one thing about a certain topic, whether it's immigration or abortion or economics or foreign policy, whatever. It doesn't matter the topic, but they will believe one thing. But if you go to Texas, where the community is largely, or the Latino community is largely Mexican-American, they'll believe something else. And all that's fine and true, but he said the African-American community doesn't think that way. So while someone from Puerto Rico or Cuba or Mexico can all think differently, someone from Ghana or Nigeria or Chad or South Africa, they'll all think the same. He took this huge group of people from this huge continent and he just said well they're black and all black people think the same that's what he said and how does kamala harris fit in all this she's black i i, I honestly don't think that he believes that black people can be from anywhere but africa um by the way india is not 
in Africa, in case you didn't know. It's in Asia. But I really believe that Joe Biden thinks that all black people come from Africa because he qualifies them as African Americans. And he doesn't know. I mean, we don't know. The people who are black probably don't know unless they've been told. We live in an age where African American is synonymous with black. And that's just not true. So what did he mean when he said that the African American community is not diverse in what they think or in what they believe? I really do think he meant and that he believes that all black people think the same. And I also believe that he included Kamala Harris in that group. I, I honestly believe that he thinks Kamala Harris, since she is black, she is from Africa. But if you think all this is just another slip of the tongue by Joe Biden, um, again, in this past week, so this is the same week, he said, if you don't vote Democrat, you ain't black. Those are his words, not mine. If you don't vote Democrat, you ain't black. So, he said that African American community doesn't think diversely. And then he doubles down on it by saying that all black people think like Democrats. All black people vote Democrat. All black people are the same. That is what he said. Now, I've recently said that I don't think that systematic racism exists. But man, Joe Biden's making it hard for me to believe that. I mean, what he said this past week, it, it's the epitome of racism. It's the epitome of white supremacy. Why, you don't think it is? I guess my question is, how is it not? How is saying that you think this way or you're not black? How is that not Joe Biden saying, I'm telling you what you need to think. I need to tell you how to act. I need to tell you how to vote. You can't think for yourself. I need to think for you. I'm the white guy. I need to tell the black person, the black people, the black community what to do, how to do it. How is that? How is that not white supremacy? How is that really not systematic racism? And what party is it coming from? Yeah, I believe that he had to pick Kamala Harris. I don't, I don't think he had a choice in the matter. I think he he didn't goof up. He let loose. I mean, the Bible says that out of the mouth come the desires of the heart. And this just flowed naturally from him. I mean, twice in one week. Now, there was another instance, but I'm not going to get into it. I think people have taken it too far. But he was being interviewed by a black guy. And Joe Biden got kind of frazzled because the black guy was asking if, if his cognitive abilities have ever been tested. And Joe Biden got flustered and aggravated. And he turned around and said, well, that's like me asking you if you got tested for cocaine every time you come out on television. Some people have taken that um, as Joe Biden asking or essentially calling the guy a junkie and associating it to the color of his skin. I think that's 
a stretch. I think that's taking it too far. But the other things he said this past week, with the black community not thinking for themselves, um, and all being one in their thinking, not being diverse, that's not a slip of the tongue. He said one thing, and he doubled down on it and said it again. And it was only after this that he picked Kamala Harris. He was narrowing down his uh, candidates during this time. But it was like he said this stuff and boom, it's Kamala Harris. So I think he got pressured into choosing Kamala Harris. I don't think he had a choice. In episode four of this podcast, I said that uh, especially with the Indianapolis City County Council, their actions are desperately trying to show the world how not racist they are. That's all they're concerned about. That's all they do. And it really seems like Joe Biden's doing the same thing. He comes out and says these racist comments, and then he turns around and says, hey, look, I picked Kamala Harris. Look how not racist I am. See? And I just don't know how that works for him. I don't know if it's going to play out for him. And I'm not sure if the American people believe him. At least the ones that are paying attention. Furthermore, when Kamala Harris and Joe Biden were running against each other for the candidacy, Kamala Harris essentially called Joe Biden a racist, so she sees it too. And she also said that she believes the women who have accused Joe Biden of sexual assault. So she's called him a racist. I think she honestly believes he's a racist. And she believes he's a sexual predator. So why in the world did she agree to be his running mate? Well, first of all, I think it can be argued, and I think there's justification for it, that she's a politician and politicians will do and say whatever they want to get elected. And I think that's certainly part of it when it comes to Kamala Harris. He was the worst person on the planet while they were running against each other. Now that she's a vice presidential running mate, he's the best person on the planet. I don't think she'll say that she believes those women anymore. I think she'll go back on what she said um, if it comes up. I think she'll go back on calling him a racist if that comes up, and I'm sure it will. But hey, that's American politics for you. But I also think that she knows that if Joe Biden wins, she will be the next president of the United States. I don't think the Democrat Party trusts Joe Biden at all. I think that's why they keep him locked in his basement. Um, they try to script everything for him. They don't want him to debate Donald Trump. Uh, they're doing everything they can to get Joe Biden in there without him actually having to talk. Now, I'm not sure if this is just a big conspiracy theory I've come up with. But, yeah, I, I really don't think that the Democrat Party wants Joe Biden in the Oval Office. And I think that if he wins, 
they will turn on him and do whatever they can to get him out of office and Kamala Harris in office. Because the Democrat Party is desperately trying to show that they're woke too, right? They're trying to show how unracist they are. So I think they really want to have a black Indian woman in in office. And they'll do whatever they can to get her in there. Because as they see it, they see three checkboxes that they can check off. A woman, a person of color, and an Indian. I don't really think they care that much about the Indian part, but it's a bonus. And I think that's what the Democrat Party wants. But the question is, is that what the American people want? The American people have already decided that they don't like Kamala Harris. She dropped out early on because she couldn't get enough support. People didn't want her. And I mean, they, the Democrat Party sat there and told the world how much they wanted a minority as their presidential nominee. Then they turn around and show the world that the Democrat voters don't like Kamala Harris. It's not the Republicans' fault. The Republicans didn't vote in the primaries. The Republicans aren't the ones responsible for giving her support. I mean, the same is true for Pete Buttigieg as well. But he's not who we're talking about right now. So the question goes back to, does Kamala Harris help the Joe Biden ticket? The people have already said they don't like her. They don't want her. They want an old white guy. That's what the Democrat voters have said. And then you have Joe Biden with all his crazy talk. And sooner or later, he's going to have to come out of that basement. I mean, it's it's inevitable. So I think that Joe Biden is actually his own worst enemy. And I think the Democrat Party knows that. So... I'm really struggling to see how it helps anyone in the Democrat Party or on the Joe Biden ticket. But that's just me. So if you have some insight that I don't know about, and if you can explain to me how Kamala Harris helps Joe Biden, then I'd love to hear it. Uh, you can get a hold of me on Twitter or Facebook at Go Think On It or on the website. GoThinkOnIt.wordpress.com. That's GoThinkOnIt.wordpress.com. Or you can leave a message um, on the show by going to anchor.fm forward slash GoThinkOnIt. I would love to hear how you think Kamala Harris helps Joe Biden. Now, I talked about that a lot longer than I had intended to, so we need to change subjects and we need to talk about John MacArthur. As you know, John MacArthur is the head pastor of Grace Community Church in California, and he's been in the news a lot lately because he's defying uh, Governor Newsom's orders um, with the church restrictions because of COVID. Now, I'm really not sure how I feel about this. I, I feel like, well, what I'm reading, there are two extremes. Some people are all gung-ho about it and you know, shouting, stick it to the man, um, and arguing about their freedom of religion. 
and the other side is saying uh, John MacArthur is acting like a fool and he's going to get a lot of people killed. So those are the two extremes. I'm not on either side. I see the validity of both sides. Um, but I definitely say I'm somewhere in the middle. Now let's look at the uh, first side of the argument, which I guess I would call the sticking it to the man argument. Um, and I, I think, you know, John MacArthur has some good reasons to do what he's doing. He's, he's obviously, um, if you don't know, he's holding in-person church services and his church is about 3,500 members on any given Sunday. Um, and they're not wearing masks. They're not social distancing. Um, and they're just going along almost acting like uh, it's just a normal Sunday during a normal time during a normal year. Because of this, uh, he's been threatened a lot uh, by the state of California um, with fines, with arrests. Uh, he's been threatened with getting his uh, power shut off to the church if he doesn't comply. And he's said no. He said the government doesn't have that power over religious services. Um, and he's actually filed a lawsuit against the state of California for their actions and their threats. So why is John MacArthur taking such a staunch stance about this? Is it for the money? Is it for the attention? I don't think so. John MacArthur doesn't seem like that kind of person. I mean, he's had a very long ministry. And by this time... Um, if he was just striving for attention, uh, he would have done it by now. I, I think he's been in the ministry like 50 years. He's 80 years old, if not older. He's been in the ministry, I think, 50 years. So if he hasn't craved the attention by now, he's probably not going to do it now. So I think arguing that he's doing it for money or attention or anything else, I, I don't think that argument holds any water to it. So what then? Is John MacArthur just trying to flaunt his religious freedom at the risk of people's health? Again, I don't think so. I mean, he's using the First Amendment as his argument for doing what he's doing. But what's the First Amendment actually say? I mean, let's be honest. If we had civics class in high school, that's probably the only time we've ever looked at the Bill of Rights or the Constitution. And we haven't really thought about it since, except when we're just trying to say the words, oh, free speech, freedom of religion, freedom to assemble. That's it. So what does the First Amendment actually says? It says, Congress shall make no law respecting establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. That's the first part of the First Amendment. That's the part regarding religion that he's citing, that he's using to justify his actions, to justify holding services. Now let's be clear about something. Let's be clear about what it doesn't say. It doesn't say, Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof except in a time of public health crisis or except in a time of a pandemic. It doesn't have any exceptions. None. It says, Congress shall make no law. None. Zip. 
zero. They can't make a law that prohibits the establishment of religion or the free exercise thereof. Granted, there is a clause that says that uh, freedom of religion or the exercise of religion cannot include criminal behavior. So therefore, that's why child sacrifice would be out of the question because child sacrifice, some of us call that abortion, but child sacrifice is murder and murder is a criminal offense. So therefore, there cannot be any exercise or practice of religion that includes murder or child sacrifice. So it's those types of uh, instances where um, the government will not allow the practice of religion or the exercise of it. Um, but how's that applied to John MacArthur's case? What what crime is he committing? What what would require him to go to jail? Especially when the government of California says that bars can be open, casinos can be open, retail establishments can be open, restaurants can be open. Um, granted, there are certain limitations that uh, the government has imposed on those establishments. But what they've imposed on churches is that no more than 50 people can congregate in a church, regardless of the size. But a casino, it can be open to 50% capacity. So 50 people, no matter what the size of a church, 50% of a casino or a restaurant or a bar, regardless of its size. So are you going to sit there and tell me that's fair? Are you going to sit there and tell me that churches have not been targeted? I mean, John MacArthur has a 3,500 member church. So even if they, even if the government said that they could be open uh, to 50% capacity, that means, what is it? Uh, 1,750, 1,750 people can be in that church. That would at least put them on par with the other establishments that the government is allowing. So you're going to tell me that the 50 person capacity in a 3,500 person church is fair. Of course it's not. And we can't pretend like it is. So John MacArthur has looked at those regulations and basically gone, eh, whatever. And he continues to hold church. Now, in all fairness, uh, when the pandemic started, he did shut down his church. Um, and I think he said for three weeks, he preached in an empty auditorium. Uh, but then people started to trickle in. And over the weeks, uh, they just continue to trickle in and trickle in and trickle in until he's at full capacity. Now, we have to also keep this in light of something else that's going on in the world today. And that's maskless riders who are not, not social distancing. So um, the government has imposed these restrictions on the church while they're allowing people to destroy private property and not adhere to any guidelines and not uh, be prosecuted for any offenses, criminal offenses at that. But the government says it's okay because it's supposedly in the name of protesting. And protesting 
is a right protected by the First Amendment. So there's your irony. The practice of religion is not okay. The practice of protesting, or, well, it's rioting. Let's call it for what it is. Rioting under the guise of protesting, that's okay. And they're both under the First Amendment. So what did John MacArthur do? Because obviously he saw this. He saw the hypocrisy of the government. So what did he do? Well, this past Sunday, he started his church service by saying, Welcome to the Grace Community Church Peaceful Protest. That's how he started this service. He gave a little bit of uh, introduction to the service. Then he had the LAPD police chaplain open in prayer. That's great. I, I love every part of that. I mean, if it's okay to peaceful protest as you're tearing apart public property, breaking windows, and stealing, why is it not okay to peaceful protest? Oh, and that's all without masks, by the way, or social distancing. So why is it not okay to peaceful protest without masks and social distancing when you're not destroying private property, when you're not committing crimes? But let's be honest, what's the government of California care about that? They're going to sit there and say the rioting is a peaceful protest, but worshiping God is not a peaceful protest. They're going to still target John MacArthur and churches in general. So that's one side of this spectrum. That's uh, one extreme. We need to look at the other extreme that says that John MacArthur is foolish and he's going to get a lot of people killed. So does that thinking have uh, have any merit? Does it have any validity? Well, I think so. Um, as we've gone through this pandemic, this, this COVID crisis, if you will, we have seen that large gatherings of people, especially when they're not wearing masks or not social distancing, um, that's resulted in many people getting sick. And in some cases, people have died. So the coronavirus is not just a media hoax, as um, well, as some people that I personally know believe. Um, there are legitimate concerns about meeting in public. And some churches, the leadership in the churches, have decided, um, especially larger churches, they've decided to wait until next year, 2021, before they start meeting again. I believe Andy Stanley was one of the first uh, church leaders to announce this, and many others have followed suit. Um, J.D. Greer recently announced this week that uh, Summit Church won't be meeting again except in a small group setting until 2021. So what are we supposed to think of this? Is this just churches fearing the government or uh, leadership or pastors putting the government above God or scripture? What is our takeaway? What should we believe? Well, I don't think that it's necessarily church leadership put, putting the government before God. Um, that may be the case in some instances, but I would say the majority of instances that is not the case. I think it's just the leadership weighing the risks with the needs of the church. I don't think what they're doing is necessarily wrong by any means. They seem to be weighing the risks 
um, with the benefits and deciding that the benefits of meeting are not worth the risks. So they're deciding to postpone meeting as one large congregation. Um, and I have no problem with that. And I don't think that they're bending to government demands um, because they do recognize that they still can worship, that they can still meet, that worshiping God or Jesus is not illegal. They have just been looking at the numbers and uh, listening to the recommendations of the leadership of the government, uh, Donald Trump, Dr. Fauci, um, the CDC, and they've reacted accordingly. And I, I just think that's it. I wouldn't read any more into it. I, I just think that they see the makeup of their congregation and they've decided what steps to take um, that would not put their congregation in harm's way. And as Christians, um, especially leaders, we're supposed to use wisdom in everyday life. We're supposed to make the hard choices that aren't cut and dry or black and white and laid out in the Bible. I mean, it's it's easy for Christians to stand up against uh, immorality um, and say that there are certain things that are right and wrong because it's clearly laid out in Scripture. But this isn't one of those things. Uh, there is no commandment that says, if there is a global pandemic, you shall do such and such. Jesus never addressed this. But wisdom um, and praying for wisdom and using wisdom is brought up a lot in the Bible. And I think this is one of those cases that needs wisdom. And it's one of those situations that requires wisdom. And um, it's something that is neither right or wrong. But it's something that's completely dependent on a particular congregation. I don't think John MacArthur can say that he's right and apply that to every single church in America. I don't think Andy Samley or J.D. Greer can say they're right and apply that to every single church in America. So that's where I'm at. I completely support John MacArthur and his willingness and um, determination really to, to stand up against partiality and the unfairness of the government of California. And in that instance, I am glad that he's doing that because the government really doesn't know how to stop taking. Um, if we constantly bend to the demands of the government and we constantly uh, keep saying, yes, we'll keep giving you what you're asking, then the government will just take and take and take and take and take until there's nothing left except themselves. And we can't do that, especially when it comes to religious liberty. Um, now, do I think that John MacArthur is making a wise decision with meeting? Well, I don't know. I don't attend that church, and it's not my say. I'm not the leadership of that church. He knows his church. He knows his congregation. He knows what the church wants. So it's really none of my business what he does, and I don't think it's anyone else's business with what he does. I know that there are people who think that 
It's the stupidest thing that he could possibly do. But I don't agree with those people because they're not part of that congregation. It's none of their business what he does. Will it look bad for Christianity? Well, Christians do a lot of things that look bad for Christianity. And I don't really think this is in the top 10. We should have bigger things that we should care about. Uh, bigger injustices. Worse wrongs happening in the world. And this is not something that we should make a hill to die on. So, that's my opinion. That's what I think. Well, I'm going to wrap this up for today. This has gone on a little bit longer than I had anticipated. Hopefully, I've given you enough to think on today. Um, so, tell me what you think. Tell me what you think about Kamala Harris, about uh, Joe Biden's pick. Tell, you can tell me what you think about Joe Biden. And tell me what you think about John MacArthur and where you stand on that and tell me why. Um, I'm more than happy to have a discussion on anything, but I want to hear from you. So you can follow me on Twitter and Facebook at GoThinkOnIt. You can contact me at GoThinkOnIt.wordpress.com or you can leave a message with the podcast at anchor.fm forward slash GoThinkOnIt. So as you go about your week, just take what you hear and go think on it before you react. <laughs>